Howdy, everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 115 of Justified Pursuit. Great to be here with you as always. Um, we'll introduce the good counselor momentarily. But first, a quick note. We've got a guest today, and I, I want to mention this. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, Mark Ivanio. He is the executive director of Republicans for National Renewal. But yes, Mark will be here. Uh, so Chisholm and I are looking forward to uh, visiting with him. With that being said, Chisholm, how in the world are you today, man? Great to see you as always. I'm good. A little bit tired uh, on a Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's been a busy week, a productive week. Mm-hmm. Um, there hasn't Congrats been on any... the sex. Yesterday was Valentine's Day. <laughs> Haven't had any UFOs blown up over my house. Uh <laughs> You can congratulate me too, you know. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Uh, let's make this more about me, less about you. Uh, I had dinner. I know you don't celebrate Valentine's Day. Y'all were just kind of like over that, but uh, I told you I like steak. I like sex, so we're doing it. I had the sitter. I lined the sitter up Thursday. Dude, try to get a reservation somewhere for Valentine's Day the Thursday before Valentine's Day. Yeah. We were sitting outside on a patio. I was making sure that the patio was covered and had heaters and stuff. That was like the only thing I could find anywhere. Uh, but then it all got derailed because of kids and like Henry's playoff basketball schedule was released on Sunday. It's like, oh, he has a game at six o'clock on Tuesday night, which they lost 11 to five. <laughs> nice. So that's what a basket- we did. For- a basketball game. Basketball. 11 to five. Yes. Which, uh, but it was cool because uh, <laughs> yeah, Henry's team played this team in the regular season and they, they smoked us. Like I was scorekeeping. So I remembered. It was like 35 to, let's just say, like 13 or something. We lost by like 20 points. And their best player had 20 points. And uh, our, our coach was like, Henry, we're doing a box of one, which, which means the team's playing his own, but you're marking that guy for the whole game. Dude, the guy only scored five points. So I was very proud of Henry's uh, grit and determination on defense. So we only lost 11 to five. And at halftime, it was six to zero. Riveting stuff. No doubt. <laughs> but anyway, like it. yeah. So uh, the marital duties had to occur later, but everything's good. I'm happy. I'm not tired. I'm feeling great. Awesome. Yeah. Good for you. So, so now back to you. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything. <laughs> we did celebrate. Thanks, sir. Thanks, man. The Valentine's Day. Mm. Um, I cooked some. In fact, I tried to send you a picture of it, but because you have one of those stupid Galaxy phones, it got rejected. Mm. Uh, cooked some uh, wonderful prime New York strips on the skillet. Nice. Dude, it's hard to beat like a well well done, not well done, right. properly like done, charred. well charred uh-huh. New York strip out of a skillet, man. Uh, I agree. <clears throat> so good. Well, you get all that fat that just can start, you know, Showing up in the bottom of the pan when you're cooking those bad right. boys, yeah, and then, yeah, and you nicely can pour over the top, steak. and but oh, yeah. it's so hard. Like you can get nice grill marks for sure on a grill, but that like complete, like in, every square inch sear that you can get with a cast iron, mm. it's tough to beat, man. Agree. They were good. They were real I, good. I think I really want one of those blackstone a... griddles. Have you ever seen those? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I have one on the porch. You have a blackstone. M- mine's not a blackstone. It's a. Um... It's another brand, a Texas company. Uh, what is the name of that company? Ah, it doesn't matter. But yes, 
essentially you, know, you can buy yeah. them at tractor supply or wherever that's where i think this company sells theirs um even embers is the name of one i have yeah dude i, I love it fajitas yeah. is the best thing i've found like so uh-huh. easy to do on there yeah mix it all up together uh smash burgers also a favorite around here but yeah you need it do you have one no i don't i want no, one you should get i one. need one yeah i was at my buddy aaron's house over the weekend before the game sunday and so he's got a brand new one i was like oh i want one of those they're not that expensive either no they're not yeah i'm trying to be more frugal these days thanks to biden although the uh tires and wheels and suspension i'm putting on the used pickup i bought yesterday might say otherwise <laughs> wait you bought a used pickup yeah i got rid of my f-250 on friday well Okay, but let's go back because we were talking last week and you were driving to Houston without heat in the middle of like an ice storm. (laughs) My heat came on later that day. See, it was interesting. Uh, I drove, it was like 42 degrees. Uh, I was heading there for work. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I could see my breath in the cab of the truck. Couldn't get any heat. You're like, my toes are cold. I'm like, you're in your truck. Yeah, I get into, my feet were very chilly. I get into Houston proper and whatever front... Had, it's really funny, like, you know, I come in on I-10 from the west, and like in Katy, it was still 50 degrees, but then by the time I got to where I was heading going on the north side of Houston, it was 75, so it was like this front that was coming down. I have a, I've always thought, like, if you watch the, if you watch the radar when rain's coming, mm-hmm. you ever notice how the future radar will show, like, a nice storm cloud is coming down over DFW, and then it'll just, like, dissipate and sp- split around it? Yeah, I think that's got to be from thermal pollution. You know, like the city is creating heat, no matter what. Yeah, wintertime, summertime doesn't matter, right? It's concrete and buildings and auto emissions and everything is creating like this upwell of of heat and emissions, right? So it seems to like you have to have a serious, heavy, dense rainstorm for that to not happen, right? It must something was causing. Maybe it was the Gulf Coast too, just getting closer and closer to the coast, but it was like. I was coming in straight west of downtown Houston and it was cold. And then when I got to the straight north of downtown Houston, it was hot, but it was coming. Like mm-hmm. we went further north into Conroe and the front hit while we were up there. My point is when I jumped back in my truck after getting out and stopping on the north side of town, all of a sudden my heater was working. So the little door flapper thing that I had to have replaced or the motor for the door flapper thing, the actuator, seems like it got stuck while it was cold, which is exactly the wrong time um for that to happen Mm -hmm. are these things related the fact that i sold my truck and the heat works intermittently Eh, not really but it didn't it didn't uh it maybe helped me go ahead and pull the trigger on listing it on friday (laughs) so you sold it and then what did you buy well so let me tell you about selling it so i threw it on you say subaru the show's over probably forever (laughs) all last year i struggled with paying this massive premium for having a diesel truck Mm. especially when it got up to like 550 a gallon uh it was real frustrating and probably told you before but so i had an xl model ford f-250 which is like basically a work truck vinyl Mm. seats vinyl floors didn't even have a USB port in it. it I know. I've ridden with you, and to listen to anything from your phone, you have a speaker that you set on the dash. It's I have a Bluetooth speaker on the dash. Fabulous. So I can best. listen to a podcast or stream <laughs> on my phone. And no heat. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, 
That was not a feature. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lack of a feature. That was a malfunction. Um, yeah, you know, it's just a base model work truck. Uh, I got a really good deal on it in 2017. The 18 model year was already out, so the truck had been on the lot for like 10 months. And um, so I got it for, I think, like 42. Mm-hmm. Um, had it That's paid a off. steal these days. You couldn't find a truck for that. Yeah, well, yeah, so five years later and 90,000 miles later, I had wanted to put a legit off-road suspension in it for a long time. You've been down the ranch road, mm-hmm. nine miles from Encinal to our gate. is um, It takes 30 minutes because it's it's basically like running down a washboard. washboard. Um, that thing's been whipping my ass for like four years, so I was like, one of these days I'm going to put this really awesome Carly suspension in, in that F-250 and drive the thing to the wheels come off. Well, I was basically at the point now where even on the highway, the thing was just. <laughs> so it was either put a very expensive suspension system in a three quarter ton truck or think about doing something else. And considering the fact that I've used my gooseneck hitch exactly one time in five years, um, considering the fact that I never pull anything on the bumper that I couldn't pull with a half ton with the V8, uh, considering that I do want to hand this pickup to my daughter in two years when she turned 16 and this F-250 was way more truck than she'd ever need and way too basic. I was like, she's, yeah, she's not riding around with a speaker on the dash. So I listed it on Friday <laughs> at 8 a.m. And before noon, I had a $35,000 cash offer. So you paid 42, you you sold it for 35 with 90,000 miles on it. Five mile, five years and 90,000 miles later, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, six years, I guess. Good, good. Because it's you. 2023. I bought it in. I know the 18 model year was out already, mm-hmm. so I can't remember if I bought it in 17. I think I bought it in early 18, and the 19s weren't out yet. So yeah, five years, ninety thousand miles, cost me seven thousand bucks. Well, and a new brake job. I had mm-hmm. to put brakes in it like two months ago, uh, which you know was going to be the first of many things that was going to need to be done. So, so what did you end up with? I got a Ram 1500 four wheel drive. It's freaking sweet. I found a, I still have a 2017, but this thing has only got 52,000 miles on it. Got it under 30. Uh, so I saved, I actually put a few bucks in my pocket, but um, those are already dedicated to some new wheels and tires and a suspension system. So, so the Ford guy went with the Dodge, but at least I've always liked the Rams, uh, especially ever since they became Ram. That's mm-hmm. not a Dodge anymore. It's a Ram truck. Whatever, dude. It's true. After they took their bailout money, what Chrysler did was broke up their businesses into individual. Dodge is not the parent company of Ram. It's a Chrysler Ram, basically. Mm. Um, but it's its own standalone brand. It's the truck. It's all they build is trucks. They build badass trucks, man. The five point seven liter Hemi is awesome. That was the first truck I ever had. Was a Dodge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot different in 2017 to 23 than they were when you were 16, but. Mm. Yeah. Um. Well, good. I'm glad you got a new truck. I never thought you'd get rid of a diesel, though. I'm just sick and tired of paying an extra buck to buck, buck and a half again for sense. I don't I don't need it. It's unnecessary. Not towing. Yeah, unnecessary. I drove that if that fifteen hundred to breakfast this morning with some guys from church, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so nice. It's so smooth. It's so quick. You know, again, it's three hundred ninety-two horsepower. It gets the same fuel economy, a dollar less per gallon. 
anything I need to pull, including the horse, if we have to move the horse, I'll be able to do with a half ton pickup. So mm-hmm. it's even got a trailer brake system. It's set up for hauling. Nice. Yeah. Um, I had uh, I had a went to church on Sunday morning, and uh, the uh, the message was about be a light in the world, be the salt of the earth as Christians. And so I promptly went to coach my uh, eight-year-old daughter's, the twin soccer game, and I got a red card <laughs> right after that, <laughs> which I knew would crack you up, dude. But it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't anything that I did. I didn't I didn't really dress the official down or uh, I never used any profanity. I didn't really even yell at her. Our assistant coach was doing all of the yelling for both of us. And we, the girls are, so they play club. So just during the wintertime, we're like, let's put them in an older age group and play rec. Well, they were mopping the floor with basically the entire league. We lost to one team. And so we're winning six to four. And uh, so we're not, it's not like sour grapes. Like we're not, we're not complaining about losing, but she just, this ref just keeps letting these girls that are a foot taller, 30 pounds bigger, board our girls with no attempt to play the ball and it becomes habitual and so and they're losing so they're frustrated so they're doing it even more and more and she's letting him get away with it well the, the our other coach just starts yelling at her his daughter comes off is like holding her wrist she's crying she just got smashed into the boards so he's letting her have it and she's like sir if you don't tone it down i'm going to give you a red card he goes fine give me a red card i don't care you're not protecting the players he's like i don't care and I'm like, we're winning, so I'm just chill, relaxing. I, trust me, I've gotten my money's worth on a lot of red cards in my in my playing career. Still, I might get one next week in my over uh, 30 league. But this time, she goes, um, you know, basically told him to shut up and sit down. Well, they do it again with like a minute left, and it's right in front of her. And I said, hey, I said, lady, you you have to. And this is like a 17 or 18-year-old girl. I said, you have to protect the players. Like, first and foremost, no one's out here to get hurt. You have to make a call. And she blows the whistle, calls the game, walks over to the other ref because she doesn't have any cards in her pocket. You think if you're refing a game, you would have the cards. She borrows his cards, walks over to me, hands me a red card, and then gives him a red card. <laughs> and I was just like, wow. Okay. Doesn't doesn't red mean you're out? It means you're yeah, you kicked out of the game. Well, she already called the game. She oh. blew the game, called the game with a minute left, and then promptly gave me a red card. I was like, I haven't even like talked to you. Like um, so then Does that mean you she, have to miss the next game? Well, that was the last game of the season. And oh. so I got an email from uh, Plano Sports and said we were we heard there was some unsportsmanlike conduct. And dude, I I sent them like a uh expose on her behavior, lack of basic understanding of rules, and just the fact that as coaches, yes, we're there to coach the girls, but our first priority has to be their their well-being and safety. And when we had three different girls come off that were crying because they were boarded, and one girl, dude, one girl. I think one of the parents even got on video, grabbed the girl, our team, grabbed the ponytail and pulled her to the ground and the ref just was standing there, didn't do anything. Like it's not a football game. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you would have been football. You would have been proud of me for, like I said, I didn't yell. The, these are third grade girls are clearly not going to use profanity. I felt like it was the only time in my career where I've gotten sent off for doing essentially nothing. <laughs> I've certainly seen you. <laughs> Get hog timed, hog tied a time or two where you probably deserved it. So, yeah. am I? I can now claim the fact that I've been kicked out of a girls' rec league soccer game. 
But you know what I said at the end of the email? I said, um, if I need to file a formal complaint against this official, I'm happy to do that. Let me know where to start the process. Otherwise, I will consider the issue resolved and there will be no other communication on the topic. They haven't responded, so we will see. I don't expect anything to come of it. But yeah, All right. I knew you'd Let me know if you need a lawyer, I guess. Funny. <laughs> uh, so much to get into today. Let's start with Beyonce, who won uh, four Grammys last week in the Sam Smith Satan-inspired Grammy edition. And uh, on NPR, they claimed that she won four Grammys and in doing so became the most decorated Grammy winner of all time, Chisholm. But uh, NPR turned it into a racial thing that she didn't win album of the year and a white person won it, saying that she was a victim of uh, white favoritism at the Grammys. I just don't... How do you even... She won four Grammys. That wasn't good enough. She lost out to some dude named Harry Styles for Album of the Year who's white. Yeah, but that should be embraced because he's also, like, trans, right? So I don't understand what the problem is. Yeah. Um, everything is everything is race now everything i actually think there's something from that that we should have covered last week that was even more important the satan stuff yeah we didn't even talk about it it's so gross what's there to talk about dude at all well normalizing satanic worship on the on the biggest music show of the year anyone that saw it knows what it i mean it's so so did you see the cbs tweet component of it all nope yeah, so Sam Smith, Devil Boy himself, uh, who you know could use just he could uh, use to shave a, a few pounds, I think, before he goes back out and does any sort of silly hypersexualized stunt like that. But <clears throat> maybe I'm a I'm just a fat shamer. Um, he tweeted out on that Sunday, uh, kind of mid afternoon. This is going to be special with like a. Weird kind of devil horn looking tongue sticky outy thing. Mm. And then CBS, like, you know, the the station that was hosting it, CBS replied, We're ready to worship. No. Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh my god. They man. replied, so he repl- he he put he put out this is going to be special with this creepy looking tongue out kind of devil horn looking thing and then cbs replied you can say that again we are ready to worship you hadn't seen that mm, for I, usually you're the one that gets like flabbergasted and speechless i don't got nothing i don't know what to say dude yeah i really don't that's wow yeah dude yeah wow. Ready to worship Satan. Hmm. Yep, ready to worship. That was their response to what presumably they were fully aware was going to be an homage to. I mean, what? Obviously, they knew what it was. Like, what? to your point, I'm so flabbergasted. I've been processing it mentally for a week now. And I don't have any commentary other than I think people need to know that. Well, it seems like red is like. Oh, they deleted it. That's fun. Oh, they took it down. They did. Rihanna was in all red and red lights. And I'm not saying she looked like the devil during the Super Bowl. 
Um, but she did like grab her crotch and then smell her fingers, which was weird. Yeah, it was uh, a little off-putting. I'm glad that my kids weren't in the room for that. <sighs> but the thing that stood out from the Super Bowl, great game, by the way. Um, glad that Patrick Mahomes won. And Patrick Mahomes went on Jimmy Kimmel or uh, Jimmy Fallon or what? I don't know. Nobody watches those stupid shows anymore. But he gave all the credit to God in front of everyone. Cool. Which I loved. But uh, but the thing that stood out was, dude, there was a Jesus commercial yeah. in the Super Bowl. And AOC, <laughs> AOC's response was, this is fascism. That's right. what she said. It's just, I heard. It was fascist. Yeah. Those commercials were fascist. The fascist is calling the Christians fascists now. Uh, yeah, that was number one. I was happy to see the ad. Like I wasn't expecting that. I hadn't. I'm sure people knew that it was coming. I didn't. I was paying attention to any of that. I could really give a crap about the ads. Don't care. Uh, I watched the game with people who probably cared more about the commercials than the Super Bowl. I might have to change that in the future because I actually like to watch the game. And I'd like to... Well, first of all, I'd like a new partner that turns their phone off. Uh, but secondly, about that. I'd like to watch... I think I'm going to start the game like 90 minutes after it starts next year and then just watch the game and fast forward through all of the commercials and the halftime. Do you know what the best approach would be? Not watch it? Skip it all together. I but I want to watch it. I like football. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Being able to fast forward through... Talking about your truck podcast we all want to hear about the truck actually Who wants to hear about the damn truck everybody does talk about bees that want to be <laughs> wow that's the first time we've had live advice from a spouse as to what to talk about on the show i don't think she's listening in six months so i you know so, i'm not sure okay. how valid her opinion is anymore yeah on this <laughs> okay love well. you um yeah, <clears throat> I could give a crap about the commercials or halftime show. I did watch the first series. Mm -hmm. Philly sure looked tough. March but aren't you glad they lost? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Doesn't she have something to do? <laughs> she seems to be heading towards it, yeah. But hey, at least the Eagles lost. That's the main thing is Cowboys fans. And uh, True. there's a very dark spot spot in my heart for philly which they didn't disappoint though win or lose you knew that they were going to burn part of their city to the ground which they did <laughs> the babylon Bee had an article <laughs> that said uh philadelphians burn city in preparation for uh basically exactly that like philadelphians preemptively burn city uh as they would do regardless of whether they win or lose or something like that yeah um yeah, it seems like a terrible place <laughs> i've been there really is. Uh, it's honestly the city dude, of brotherly love i i got i hung out in philly for two days a couple of years a few years back and it was one of the darkest feeling places i've ever been hmm. like it felt dark and that was way before i was as tuned into uh sensing the spirit of a person or a place than i am now mm -hmm. and yet it was noticeably um just like decrepit dude and soulless and dirty and uh yeah they just didn't feel like there was a lot of hope and there was no peace anywhere mm -hmm. it's awful. awful yeah i don't have any desire to go to philly ever. No. um let's hit on this real quick this is um biden versus biden and this is 
September 1st, 2022 versus last week, State of the Union address. My, how things have changed now that the conservatives have the House. Let's take a listen to this, and then I'll let you give me your feedback. Good friends. We could work together the last Congress. There's no reason we can't work together and find consensus on important things in this Congress as well. The MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. (laughs) What did you think of that? What did you think of that? The first clip was from last week where he's like, we can work together like we did last time. And then you've rewind to what? September is four months ago, five months ago. Wow. I I think he's not a good person and should not be the president of the United States. That's what I think of that. Well, I liked when he said we thrive on chaos. Like we're the ones that run around burning S to the ground. It's the iron law of leftist projection. Which you've talked about many times, like the goal of the left wing and certainly the the teachings of Karl Marx is chaos. Chaos, chaos, chaos. Right. That, yeah. And then blame your enemies for what you're actually doing. Mm -hmm. It's probably one of the ways they create chaos. Yeah, I find that quite hilarious. I find hilarious that the party that wants to create a never-ending string of new pronouns and mutilate the genitalia of children are calling the conservatives the party of chaos it's it's and the party of lies right Mm -hmm. like well here's a great example is uh if you have a dick you're what are you you're a dude so anyone with a brain knows that um but no we're gonna say that you're you can say you're a woman um when the hell are we shooting down I mean, this is probably the biggest talking point today, but what what is going on? You're texting me World War Three started. I don't know what these things are. World What's War going Z. on? Whatever. What's happening? I think they're just more balloons. Um, and that this is a deliberate attempt to confuse and distract Americans. Okay. From the laptop? From that. Joe's- from the laptop, from the economy, with, Biden, uh, with from, China, you know, China. all of the above, dude. Yeah, I mean the, the list of of screwy, screw effery mm-hmm. uh, from this government and from the global elite is so long that, uh, yeah, I mean it takes pretending like they're shooting down UFOs to try to distract from it. Oh, uh, the Epstein client list. Have you heard about that? No. The Epstein client list is going to be released to the public, and there's actually a leaked copy of it already out of a court filing with everybody who ever had you know been tagged as associating with him, who had ever flown on his jet to his uh, rape island and all that stuff. That's all. It's already out technically, but the judge is actually releasing it. So there's another thing that they're trying to distract from because you know there's lots of important names on that list um, from both sides of the aisle. So for sure. Yep, no doubt. Um, first, I'll say, um, I, I, I don't, I, I think that there are intelligence is from other parts of the universe, and 
have we talked we haven't talked about this on the show yet but i've seen them at our ranch mm-hmm. i've got videos on my phone of crazy lights flashing and when you slow the video down you can see this thing darting and zipping around in ways that don't make sense um the first videos were taken by some guys who were building our house i then saw something crazy a few weeks later a couple few months later a couple three months later why didn't she just get a microphone you want a co-host <laughs> <laughs> There was a night where I was there and we saw something crazy. So, okay. It's been multiple times. Mm-hmm. Just, this is the, this is the episode. What, what episode are we on? 114? 115. 15. The episode mm-hmm. where Chisholm loses all credibility. Uh, <laughs> well, we have a guest coming up in like 20 minutes. So yeah, I don't know. Should we go down this rabbit hole right now? I guess we're already there. Yeah, we got 20 minutes. All right. Every, okay. So, so these guys who are building the house that mom and dad built out there. I got out there. It was actually, it was funny. I had to go out there to quarantine in December of 2020 because I got exposed uh, <laughs> hilariously by my safety guy <laughs> at mm-hmm. a business meeting. <laughs> and uh, you probably remember, it was like this the greatest excuse ever to go be at the ranch for a whole week uh, all by myself yeah. with nothing but my laptop and being in the heart of the South Texas rut. <laughs> so... I ran down there and the guys that were building the house, I got down there on like a Thursday night. They would stay down there Monday through Friday because it didn't make any sense, obviously, to be driving back and forth all the time. So they were there and I'd gotten to know them over the course of the year. They'd been, they'd been out there for quite some time. So I like unload my stuff and I come back out and they go, hey man, you ever see anything weird in the sky out here at night? And I was like, mm, what do you mean? Uh, and they go, I was like, you mean like shooting stars and stuff? They're like, no, dude. So anyway, they had watched this thing and had got video off of it off of a galaxy phone which has got the best camera right then a couple months later i'm out there with a mutual friend of ours and another guy and we start hearing fighter jets running around and they had mentioned fighter jets go outside and we watch these fighter jets like intercepting and flying at these things and they're dropping flares dude like the first thing we saw was flares and it that's just kind of scares the heck out of you but then you realize what it is but that night, Ashley heard two jets zoom over a wedding she was at in San Antonio heading south towards our ranch. So I don't know for sure, but it, it, the timing was perfectly aligned where like 15 or 20 minutes after these jets zoomed over where she was at, they were, there were jets intercept, you know, like engaging with these lights flying around our place. Then mm. like seven months later, so that was January. In August, I happened to be down there again, just me and my parents, just the three of us out there. And it's always right around like nine o'clock at night. It's like a couple hours after it gets dark, dark, right? We start hearing these fighter jets and mom goes, they're back. I was like, Mm -hmm. what do you mean? She goes, when the fighter jets are here, the lights start doing weird stuff. You know, there's weird lights in the sky. And I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, your dad's seen them like five times. Mm -hmm. And so I run outside and I take a video and I didn't think I caught anything, but I'm watching what it looks like in real time is just flashes like flash here flash there flash there flash. like sometimes there'll be more than one light flash at one time like in like simultaneously and i didn't think i caught anything and then our friend clay asked me about a month ago to go back and dig up an old picture of a deer so i went like way back in my phone and i came across those two videos from august of 2021 and i watched them again 
And I actually watched him in like a dark bathroom to see if I was, and sure enough, I've got like two 30 second clips of these lights doing crazy stuff. And again, when you slow them down and zoom in on one, you can see it like it'll appear and then it'll zoom off. Uh -huh. And then you can go on the screen in the direction it zoomed and it'll, it'll flash over there, but it'll look like it's instantaneous. Okay. So that people don't think you're insane. Um, why don't you post those on our Instagram page? There's your homework for the week. I'll send them yeah. to you because I deleted Instagram from my phone. You can post them on our Instagram page. Fine. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, the thing is, dude, since 2018 or 19, the New York times has been writing about this, right? There's this commander, David Fravor, a Navy pilot hmm. who's come out and explained his encounter with a TikTok, tick tock like object off the Pacific coast. Dude, the, the department of defense has acknowledged that in like 2014 alone, they had more sightings of unidentified, what they now call aerial phenomena. And that one, they had more sightings that year than there are days in the year. They had like 415 sightings in a 365 day year. Um, Marco Rubio put it in a spending bill two years ago that last summer that the DOD had to write a big, huge report about it. So they're acknowledging all this, right? Right. So I say all that to say, it's not that I don't believe there's a possibility that this was something else, but as always, the no agenda guys show, I also believe it's a psyop. Right. Two things can be true at once. Mm -hmm. Maybe we are seeing some crazy things in the sky. The only reason the government is telling us about it is because they want to use it for mind control for some purpose, distraction, whatever. Right. So what, what the what the White House is saying, though, is they are not extraterrestrial terrestrial. So, right. They're saying, saying that after they let everybody like wonder and ask questions for a here. Here, let's take a listen to KJP. I have the audio right here concerns about this but there is no again no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns again there is no indication of aliens or terrestrial activity with these recent takedowns okay so that's their take right which, but after how many days of letting everybody wonder what do you mean by unidentified they were calling them ufos oh she doesn't have an explanation so why are they not telling us what they are they're just calling them takedowns what is it? Why does the why, why, do, why do the why did it take five days know? for them to clarify that they're not? They dude, the initial reaction, Justin Trudeau, the, the original headlines were unidentified flying objects shot down, and then we were oh. told these are not balloons. We then shot we were one told down they're over metallic Canada. looking, and they hover right. Like mm. they they basically walked everybody down the primrose path towards like alien invasion, and now that. People are starting to say, what the hell is going on? They're like, no, no, no. Doesn't look like aliens. Definitely not aliens. No Agenda played a clip. So the, the second one was shot down in Canada, right? But it was an, Justin Trudeau got out there and, you know, with his ambiguously gay voice bragged about how he, he authorized a joint uh, squadron of American and Canadian you know, fighter jets to engage and shoot it down and an American F-22 shot it down. So they had their equivalent of KJP <clears throat> come out to speak about it. And no agenda played this audio. And she comes out and she describes it like it. When you listen to them, dude, just like KJP just did, they're so deliberately trying to leave it ambiguous, right? But, but at that time, it was even more so. Like mm -hmm. KJP is at least saying, which definitely not aliens, or at least there's no reason to believe or however she put it. But on Saturday of last weekend, it was more like, maybe, 
We don't know. So this lady leaves it way open to interpretation, but she specifically says it's not a balloon. Then she hands it over to a general for the Canadian military. And the way that the no agenda guys set it up, you know, Adam's like, he's like, or I think it was actually Dvorak is like, you know, this guy that you're about to hear next, he's like, he's not buying any of this crap. He's not happy about having to be out here and pretend that this is anything other than one of these stupid balloons. And sure enough, he comes out there and says, we engaged, intercepted and shot down the balloon. And they like, I, I was, he said the word right? balloon. Yeah. Yeah. He called it a balloon. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So then the lady, the spokeshole lady comes back out, the KJB wannabe comes back out and they said in the video, which I'm just listening, right? But they said in the video, you should have seen the look on her face that she just looked so incredulous that he had just like blown away their whole <laughs> like facade of leaving it in limbo about what it was because he was like, we shot down a balloon. She was like, uh, uh, as I said, uh, it, we're not sure what it was, but it definitely was not a balloon. It's like, yeah, but, but the guy who was in charge of shooting it down just said it was. So. Why did the general say, like, matter of fact, without question, that's what it was? Mm. So I heard one explanation was if they don't acknowledge what it actually is, then whoever's thing it was can't. Basically, it's a de-escalation technique, right? Like, if it's more Chinese stuff, then if we pretend we don't know where it came from, then we don't have to worry about China saber rattling about it, right? Getting all pissy which we gives a shit about china because they're the ones that are sending the crap over here okay why should we be pandering to them sense man right that's how you know it's a psyop oh yeah yeah that's how you know it's a psyop because none of it makes any sense man all of a sudden i don't we're just well that's what i would expect from biden is just to to cower in fear of what did i call him mao wing ping wing last week what is his name what's his name yeah (laughs) something like that ping i think he called him Mm-hmm. Xi Jinping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I mean. Ming. He's called him Ming. Ping. Whatever. <laughs> it's a big psyop, dude. I don't know if it's actually, I don't know if it's UFOs. I don't know if it's just balloons. I don't know if it's something else. Whatever it is, they're using it to distract us from way more important things that we couldn't do anything about anyway. So I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's laugh here for a second and just please. This is what, this is what happens. When you hire on a uh, DEI platform rather than Merit, also KJP, this is just pure audio gold. Why is why is the American military shooting something? out of the sky over Canada. Because it's part of a uh, NORAD. There's a, the NORAD is part of like a, a part of a, it's a, it's a, what you call it. Sure, 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 sure. So okay. exactly. And so that's why we were able to do that again. We didn't do it on our own. We did right. it in, in, uh, in, uh, clearly in, 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 in step with uh, Canada. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Canada. Canada. step with Canada. It's, she couldn't actually think of back in because she apparently back. listened listen to that and found it quite hilarious as well that's uh she's <laughs> an idiot they put an idiot as the press secretary at least Saki could formulate a sentence man you know i think i may have mentioned this before but there's an old that old chris rock stand-up show where he's in that shiny like purpley blue suit remember old yeah. like middle 2000s it's one of the biggest ones he ever did and he's talking about affirmative action and he's like, you know, talking about it from like getting into college or getting a job perspective, right? And he's like, listen, you know, I don't remember exactly how he puts it, but the point he makes is 
the best applicant should get the position, get the spot in the school, should get the job, right? He mm -hmm. goes, but if it's a tie, F them. And talking about black people, he's like, we had a 400-year, y'all had a, or he said, y'all had a 400-year head start, mother effers, right? On, like, I don't, I don't, I don't have any problem with that, honestly. Like, you want to help promote diversity, equity, and inclusion? You use it as a tiebreaker. Fine. Sure. But this administration and this version of DEI, woke-based DEI stuff, is like, like he's done since he announced his candidacy. He said explicitly, I will be selecting a black female as vice presidential candidate, which meant he had narrowed down the choice in America to 6% of the population. Correct. And he'd narrowed it down in the Senate, which was where he was definitely going to pull from, having been a senator for 40 years, and where most vice presidential candidates, candidates come from anyway, to like one person. Right? So that's Who also said that she believed the uh, sexual, uh, sexual assault allegations against him. <laughs> yeah, well, right. Yeah. And she's also, well. Sucked her way to the top. <clears throat> yeah, she's also half Jamaican and half Indian, but that's neither here nor there either. Mm. So then he once, you know, once that's settled, he's like, and when I, uh, when, you know, when the opportunity to replace a Supreme Court justice came along, he is going to select a black female again. So again, 6% of the American population to choose from. Um, and, you know, I don't even know what percent of the like judiciary of qualified candidates out there, right? KJP. She's black and she's lesbian. Double whammy. Also of island descent, not of American slave descent, for what that's worth. Mofax would take issue with that. So it's the idea that this version of Marxism, just like the old school Marxism, does not actually lift people up. It destroys society because it makes identity more important than competency. And that is never more, all three, well, I can't really say that so much about um, Katanji Brown Jackson. She's supposed to be pretty qualified and pretty savvy judge. She's super woke, so that should disqualify her. But at least she's a smart lady with the requisite, you know, experience in the judiciary. Mm -hmm. But Kamala and KJP are disasters, like utter incompetent dumpster fires. I don't know about KJP, like her history, but we knew that Kamala was a dumpster fire before uh, she even was selected as the. Uh, well, KJP was on MSN on, on MSNBC. Green John Bier was a spokeshole on MSNBC before she was made uh, press secretary, and you know she's got like a, a huge record out there of supporting the RussiaGate collusion. And what was the one main thing though, like? They threw it square in her face. Oh, going back to 2016, she claimed that the Russia that the election was stolen by the Russians for Trump. But then fast forward to her tenure as well as press secretary, and even during the year, I guess prior to her taking over from uh, Circle Back Saki, she mm -hmm. was saying that anybody who questions election integrity is a terrorist. So her tweet got thrown back in her face. I was like, well, you just did that like four years ago. Right. Remember? They all did. Yeah. Hillary did. All, all of them did. Remember? So on the DEI front, check this out. This is, I love our listeners. Uh, one of one of them sent me this, who he works for Southwest Airlines. 
He said, we'll, we'll protect his uh, anonymity here. So you did not get this from me, but this was the DEI hiring info for Southwest for last year. Look at the 53% of all promotions. Does that mean that they are promoting on basis of racial, ethnic, diverse, rather than merit? When were these, when we were presented these stats, that was the first thing that came to mind. This would also mean a lawsuit if they are presenting it that way, since they are glorifying the fact that they look at those factors rather than merit for promotions. And then he sent me the slide that was sent to him in the meeting. Uh, and it says 2022 new hires, DEI update. More than uh, 18,500 new hires, 63% racially, ethnically diverse, 51% women, 12 military affiliated. So out of uh, 18,500, that's good. They got 12 military personnel in there. 38% of managers hired were racially, ethnically diverse. That doesn't line up with the uh, population demographics of uh, the working sector. 57% of supervisors and teams team leads hired were racially ethnically diverse 53% of all promotions among supervisors team leads and managers were racially ethnically diverse 21% of new hired were gen z born 1997 or after and 50% of new hires were millennials born 81 to 96 so 63% of the 18,500 new hires were racially ethnically diverse yep wow this is uh he and then he sent me another text that this is why southwest is in the mess that, the, that we're in because we do not have proper leadership and it's elites yeah, again, at man, the top this, of the ship just forcing dei down our throats that's right if you're going to base decision making about roles and responsibilities on claims of historical press persecution instead of on the basic competency of the applicants you are dooming dude and it, it's not just like i don't know if you've ever thought about this but we're talking about like societal level catastrophes from this right mm -hmm. like you know a woke military is not an effective military a woke airline company is not an effective woke airline company it trickles all the way down i was listening to i mean i've heard that, <laughs> Everybody from Jordan Peterson to this, you know, left-leaning guy named Michael Schellenberger always points out, like, you can't hire an engineer based on diversity, equity, and inclusion. You have to base a hire of an engineer on their ability to do math, right? Because otherwise, the bridges fall down. Or a pilot uh, on how to fly a plane. Right. Or otherwise, a, the plane or a falls leader down. based off of their their leadership qualities, not the right. color of their skin. Otherwise, the leader falls down. Or their choice of who they sleep with. Yeah, I, dude, it, it's that's what's... Again, I, I'm all for giving people who... Uh, you know, giving people a helping hand, right? But not at the expense of getting a job done well. Right. Like it just it's just it just should be obvious. Right. And that's why, you know, it's, you know, Marxism, whether it's based on economics or whether it's based on the color of your skin or your gender or whatever, it always ends up as a race to the bottom because it's always ultimately an attack on competency. Correct. Um, 
And you can see it everywhere, dude. You can see it in our education system. You can see it again in like the way the grid is managed. You can see it in how well, a, you know, a outfit like Southwest, which used to be the best hands down airline in America, all of a sudden is a dumpster fire. You can see it in, you know, the way that the F F F F F F A A federal aviation administration Correct. is operating and having a black, a, a total grounding across the entire country for the first time in 40 years the other day. And, you know, we've had four trains that have derailed in the last three or four weeks, two of which have created massive toxic plumes that are killing animals and creating like zombie zones, man. Like, like large scale ecological disasters for, especially from the Ohio yeah. one, dude, that thing that was carrying guess, some kind of chloride chemical, uh, that, is now in the air and yeah. in the environment will undoubtedly get into the water supply. But Hey, the interesting thing is, isn't like Pete Buttigieg in charge of that specter, that realm. Yeah, he's the transfer. A lot of what we're talking about comes is. Yeah. Did you hear what he had to say? Transportation. And he, he had nothing, nothing to say about the Ohio uh, train derailing and blowing up, putting all these chemicals instead. Oh, I wish I had the audio for this instead, dude. He wanted to talk about the fact that there are too many white construction workers. That's what he. That's yeah, what no, he I know. said. That's what his dude, Exactly. He's got <laughs> too many white construction workers. That's the real because, problem dude, with America. Forget about you the remember train the shipping, that just blew up. the shipping debacle when he took over, and all the all the ports being completely like ships stacking up, like hundreds of ships off the coast of California because they couldn't unload them, and mm. you know, again. Train derailments, flight cancellations, FAA completely shutting down all flights for an afternoon. All these things have happened under his watch. And instead of, oh, also keep in mind that he took like the first 90 days or even 180 days of his tenure off for paternity leave because he and his gay husband adopted a kid. Mm, Remember that? But they didn't have a kid, right? He took paternity leave because he and his gay husband were given a child right and he needed like three or nine it was why didn't i have a question or... I have, this is a real like a legitimate question why didn't they just have a baby themselves like the natural way i'm pretty sure they had a surrogate and they no no but why those... didn't one of them just get pregnant <laughs> why didn't they why didn't right. then they could actually have paternity leave oh wait you both have wieners and you can't yeah. stick your wiener in his butt and then have a baby. Oh God, dude. It's the truth, dude. It's the truth. I'm not apologizing. I will never apologize for speaking the truth. So wiener in a butt, no baby coming. Sorry, Pete. And you shouldn't get paternity leave for adopting one. Maybe you could have a week off or something like that. Don't we have a guest coming on? He's supposed to be here, uh, but I don't see him in the uh, portal yet, but that's okay. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what else is going on with these trains it's very ironic to me or just weird like circumstantial that they all just blew up in the same week yeah i don't in the one in houston same week that we're shooting all kinds of random stuff out of the sky and apparently the the congress like all of the office buildings and i think the capital itself all lost power twice in like a one day stretch last week and on and on and on and on so do you think that it's connected to th- these trains blowing up have anything to do with the things we're shooting down or just another shiny object to look at to take your focus off of what's really going on? There's some connection. 
I couldn't tell you what it is or how, but I do think there's some. What about the Nord Stream pipeline? Biden just blew that up. Oh my gosh, dude! Yeah, that was one we need to cover. So, do you know have that author, that uh, journalist name handy? Mm-mm. I do not. So there's a guy who has won Pulitzer prizes for his investigative journalism. Seventy something year old. It's on the tip of my tongue. He now writes on Substack, which if you want to like read legit journalism, it's all seems to be on Substack these days. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, Substack.com is basically a place where independent journalisms can put content and you can pay a subscription to follow their stuff, right? So like some of it's just freely available. Some of it they put behind a paywall and so you pay five bucks a month and now you've got access to read what uh, uh, like Alex Berenson who's been is covering. Is it Chris Hedges? No, that wasn't the guy's name. Oh, okay. Google like Substack Nord Stream. Okay. We keep talking. I'll do that. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, <clears throat> we covered this, right? The Nord Stream pipeline is the pipeline that goes under the Baltic, Baltic Sea that provides Russian natural gas to Germany. And right after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it blew up. And Ted, not Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, um, and a whole bunch of other deep state gripped idiots started saying, clearly Russia blew up its own pipeline. Seymour Hirsch. Like, huh? Seymour Hirsch? Yes, that's right. Seymour Hirsch is the guy's name. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, that was weird. We were like, oh, Russia just blew up their own pipeline. Blew up their wow. own pipeline. And you and I talked about it, and we were like, war. why in the hell would they do that? And the, the, the claim from our administration and from our deep state, quote unquote, you know, from our entire government was, yeah, of course they blew up their own pipeline, and that way it looked like we did it. It's like, mm -hmm. that seemed like, that seems like a really dumb, I can't, you can't, is he, Putin might be half crazy, but I don't think he's just an idiot. That doesn't make any sense. Now they can't sell their gas. And they have right. like a reason to chastise us, what, go to war? I don't, right? It was just, it was, it was absurd on its face, right? Well, Mr. Hirsch lays this out. And again, I'd refer you to No Agenda because they play the audio for you. They're better than us, but we're. You go back to almost probably a year ago, dang near to the day, sometime January and February. When did when did this Ukraine thing start? It was like February, right? January it was first of the year. I think we just oh, came last up like, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's been like right at a year right now. One of the first press conferences that Biden did about this, he remember the one where he was like, "If it's a minor incursion, we won't really care, but if it's like a big deal, then we're going to have to help." Mm -hmm. Remember that one. Which was like criticized as like, okay, so you're just opening the door for Russia to have a, what is a minor incursion? What does that mean they get to do where we won't have anything to say about it? I don't know if it was the same talk or it was definitely the same time frame. He was like, if they do that, uh, Nord Stream will be shut down. And the press asked him, but it's German and Russian sovereign territory what would we have uh, how how do you know like what what who would who would have any interest in doing that mm -hmm. among those that have the control of it because they need the gas for the winter and he was like just trust me just trust me it'll be shut down 
Then it gets blown up. He said, if they roll tanks into Ukraine, it will be shut down. So then it gets blown up. Then we blame it on Russia. This guy, Seymour Hirsch, is claiming that he's got sources inside the State Department, Department of Defense, etc. And he does because he's been, he won a Pulitzer for uncovering massive atrocities committed during the Vietnam War by American GIs. I forgot what it's called, but it's bad. So he explains that <clears throat> what that it was it was American naval um, personnel that were part of a dive like a year earlier, like yeah. a year before the thing blew up. There was some dive going on in the Baltic that was through NATO, I think, or the EU maybe in particular. And while down there, some Navy operators planted explosive devices on the thing, radio-controlled explosive devices. They wow. were not Navy SEALs. Had they been special forces, then they would have had to have briefed this, I guess, the Gang of Eight. You've heard uh -huh. of the Gang of Eight, right? So that was like Pelosi and Schumer and McConnell and, what, five other of the most longstanding, high-profile uh bipartisan individuals in the house and senate right the gang of eight gets briefed on apparently every single special forces operation so they didn't use special forces they just use regular navy seal divers navy, not, not navy seal regular navy divers right they didn't have to do that briefing but then there was some catch in there and now i'm fa I'm, I'm failing on the the specific but something about the fact that by letting it slip, it seemed like he just like stupidly let it slip. Like, we'll take it out. Yeah. Right. I think he may have even said the words, we'll take it out. The fact that the president put it out there meant that he, that like, no, like he put the world on notice. We're going to do this. And so that created like some kind of international slash U.S. law loophole that shielded us from liability or from having to brief anybody on it or from having to get any kind of congressional permission to do it. Like there's a, there's a legal mechanism where it, what seemed like an old man saying something he wasn't supposed to say actually meant he put the world on notice and now we can like, he can be absolved of any wrongdoing somehow. Hmm. I mean, I don't know the legal logistics of it all, but yeah, I feel like I should have, um, but so, so this guy exposed the fact that we blew up the pipeline. Yeah, and he has like this insane timeline where he threads all these things together, and he explains in this very long article what I'm getting at these legal these these legal technical loopholes and things that were pulled over a per long period of time to set this thing up where Biden was able to do this without any sort of like authority, like it it shouldn't be constitutional, dude. It's an act of war. And we wonder why Putin was pissed about you like NATO and us, yeah, kind of forcing our agenda into dude the you know, had, oh, well and look at this those regional politics that are so, across one the of the other things one of the other Meanwhile, things, though we're putting divers down in that ocean and blowing stuff up do you know the most prominent conservative figure that was tagged in this article uh -uh. Ted was it Cruz. cable smith uh -uh. no <laughs> ted cruz so if you recall trump was against the nord stream pipeline america wants to sell its natural gas in europe they talk all the time about getting off fossil fuels. It's garbage, dude. Of course it is. It's garbage. They 
America wants to be selling, now that we have built all these LNG facilities, LNG stands for liquefied natural gas. We make more gas in this country now than anywhere. We're up. We have caught up to the rushes of the world in terms of our gas production capabilities, thanks to fracking, right? And we can pipeline that material to the coast. There's one literally a mile from where I grew up now where they can hyper condense and liquefy that natural gas, put it on these barges with these crazy domes and barge it across the, the planet, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to be doing that instead of Russia selling the gas to Germany super cheap. We want to be able to sell it to them ourselves. So Ted Cruz had been working on getting rid of Nord Stream for years prior to this detonation. Trump had been talking about shutting down Nord Stream. Biden said he was going to do it, and then it blew up. Like this is and we blamed it on Putin always, for dude. shooting himself in the foot. <laughs> as always, this has nothing to do with protecting Ukrainians, man. Yeah. It has to do with Ukrainian land minerals agriculture and um, america slash eastern europe and asia's desire to have a piece of all of that mm-hmm. it's all just geopolitical economic warfare is what it ultimately is and anybody who bought the idea that russia blew up its own pipeline and that we had nothing to do with it man you should find another show what did but to be fair, what not did we smart say, enough to be what did on we our say side? about it at the time? We might have analyzed why would Putin do this, but I don't think you can come to the logical conclusion of he he did it himself. Like that would just yeah. didn't make any sense whatsoever. Zero. Never made sense, never would have made sense. It was laughable that they even tried it. It shows how little respect that these people have for the American public that they would expect anybody to buy that. And, you know, the sad thing is... What do you mean, little respect? They told us they're not UFOs, but then they didn't tell us what they were. <laughs> right. They we told us we had to take what a, they're not. They told us we had to take a shot that doesn't do anything other than maybe give you myocarditis. Speaking of that, that... We weren't going to die from. That's on the show notes, Chisholm, as the <laughs> CDC last week announced that the vaccine will now become part of a normal checkup. Your, your regular re- routine for 5 to 11-year-olds. Like, hey, we're getting our flu shot. We're getting our, they're going to take a little hammer and they're going to tap our kneecap. And then also we're going to get our COVID shots too. That, that came out last week. Yeah. At the same time, and I'm going to try to find this so I can maybe see the Our guest is joining us in 15 minutes, by the way. We had the, when we, <sighs> you and I, dude. Cha- dude, sorry, you're going to have to deal with it. You can go get your truck and tires and all that crap in a minute. You changed the time. It was originally at one. Now you're going to have to just hang on for a minute because we do have a guest coming. He'll be here at 1230, which is perfectly fine. You'll be okay. <clears throat> roll eyes, roll eyes. You'll be fine. Anyway, CDC, what were you going to say? That guy Berenson that I mentioned earlier that has a sub stack that talks all about COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. This will be fun. So Berenson claimed that Fauci finally admitted in a paper the vaccines don't work. And AP is, of course, calling this a false fact check. Claim, Dr. Anthony Fauci in a recent science paper admits that COVID-19 vaccines don't work. False. The scientific journal article doesn't say the vaccines don't work. The article's authors say their paper acknowledges current vaccines for respiratory viruses don't prevent all infections, but they do prevent most serious symptoms. Fauci and other another co-author said the article makes the case for exploring new approaches to make respiratory virus vaccines more effective. <laughs> Basically, so, respiratory uh, virus vaccines don't work. They've never worked, and they will continue not to work. 
Is that isn't that basically what you just said? In their paper, the authors acknowledge that the current vaccines for the flu, COVID, and other respiratory viruses aren't effective in protecting against any and all illness over a person's entire life, whereas vaccines for other respiratory illnesses such as measles, mumps, and rubella effectively confer lifetime immunity. So then they suggest exploring new approaches to respiratory virus vaccines that include, among other things, utilizing a nasal spray or even a lung spray. Hey, that sounds like a good idea. Breathe it all the way down into your areolas. Mm -hmm. Areolas. Those are your nipples. That's that's not right. Aeoli? What are those words? What are the little air sacs? Not your nipples. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's good. Uh, That's funny. Uh, While we're on this topic, I have... Aeoli? A-E-O-L-I? Something like that? You want to hear a piece of audio? It's little bubbles at the end of your... like. I know what you're talking about. I thought they're the bursi or something like that. I could be wrong. I know it's not areola, though. Uh, I think Henry's learning about that in fourth grade biology right now. Here is a professional poker player at the World Series of Poker. His name is uh, Jeffrey Farns, an American. He's talking with a Canadian poker player, Aaron Duzak, and this hot mic picked him up. I wish I put the vaccine. I wish I never would have got the vaccine. I never did. I've been having chest pain ever since I had that thing. Really? Yeah. Still, you're still having it? Yeah, from time to time. And they're saying that you get uh, hardens the arteries. And, yeah. So I need to go get it checked out. But I mean, but ever since, dude, it's just that's horrible. It's been weird. I held out. I held out until like a month ago. Not even a month ago. Uh, is that right? Why did you decide to get it? Then I also wanted to come play the World Series. All right. So there's two guys on a hot mic. One of them's an American professional poker player who did you hear what it's hard the audio was hard but again they're in a in a casino with thousands of people at the world series of poker but he basically said uh, i've had chest pain ever since i got the vaccine yep. the other guy's like oh i held out i held out and then at the end he's like but i did get it just to come here so this was at last year last year's world series of poker but this bit of audio just now surfaced and became uh, a viral clip so yeah i'm just Randomly, I've just had chest pain ever since I got the vaccine. Unbelievable. Uh, That's not unbelievable. It's perfectly believable. Yeah. It's no good. Here's one for you. Uh, The CDC this week released a report that there is an uptick in actually a record uptick. So record levels of adolescent and teen girls experiencing sadness and thoughts of suicide. Um, yeah. No I think it's time for present. some self introspection. Like, don't they need to look in the mirror and be like, whoa, what do, could this possibly be because of us and pushing shots and school closures? Oh, and by the way, um, little girl, have you ever thought that you might be a boy? And then when you, come out and say, I'm a boy now, they don't get any happier. Actually, they slam it in reverse and get even more mentally effed up. Yep. It's not good, man. It's right here in front of everybody. The information is right there. I don't understand how the other side just can't grasp the reality. Dude, they are damning been, an entire generation of kiddos. They have been deceived by the devil. And I mean that very sincerely and very literally they are because you know what's on their spotify right now they're probably listening to sam smith 
Yeah. Yeah, they're deceived by the devil. Okay, I just checked. I now have a call on my calendar for 1230. You're going to have to just run the interview and more power to you. <laughs> you now have a call. You, you Yesterday, this was supposed to happen at 1, and you changed it to 11 to 1, and now you have a call on your calendar. Like, I guess real life's more important than our show that doesn't make us any money. I got sent an invite <laughs> to a follow-up on a safety matter that I need to attend to. Yes. I will run the call. You do have <laughs> another minute, though. Uh, so let me play this for you, and then this can be the last thing that we do here. Uh, this is really incredible stuff from, I believe, uh, this was Columbia University, Chisholm. Let's see if I can find this clip if I saved it. Did you hear about their new uh, Hippocratic Oath? Um, Columbia University. Yeah, let me. Oh yeah, God, if I can. That you meant this. the nation. No, the university. <clears throat> yeah, we will only treat BIPOC people. White people deserve to suffer and die. Something like that, right? Especially white males who are straight, and something yeah. called cisgender, which is a word that didn't need to there exist. Uh, this is at their. I think graduation ceremony through the profession of medicine with appreciation for the opportunity to build on the scientific and humanistic achievements of the past we also recognize the acts and systems of oppression affected in the name of medicine we take this oath of service to begin building a future grounded in truth restoration and equity to fulfill medicine's capacity to liberate I promise to take care of my future patients by engaging in dialogue, listening to their lived experience, and tailoring my recommendations to their unique circumstances. I acknowledge the past and present failures of medicine to abide by its obligation to do no harm and affirm the need to address systemic issues in the institutions I uphold. I promise to critically examine the systems and experiences that impact every person's health and ability to receive care. I vow to use this knowledge to uplift my patients and disrupt the injustices that harm them as I forge the future of medicine. I promise to self-reflect diligently, to confront unconscious prejudices, and to develop the skills, knowledge, and character necessary to engender an inclusive, equitable field. <laughs> Can't take any more. Yeah, dude. This so that is actually their uh, graduation ceremony. All of these doctors, who are, I guess they're going to become. What what do, what do you become when you go into the medical field? <laughs> a resident, uh, I guess. Resident, yeah. So that's the next step for these people. These they, DEI <sighs> reciting Hippocratic oath from the well, esteemed University of Columbia, Columbia dude, University. She said something to the effect. That she that that they will something to the effect you want me that, to play it that, again? that they will respect <laughs> respect an individual's lived experience and mm -hmm. tailor their provision of medical care to that individual's unique circumstances. Yeah. And those were like together like that, right? I if you didn't have the first part, I'd say, cool, you, you customized care based on me because I'm an individual with my own DNA and stuff. Yeah, that'd yeah. be that'd be helpful. Like, for example, um, I'm 42 and have run you know, a marathon, a half marathon and done a triathlon in the last two years. So I don't need a shot 
to protect me from a virus that I have a 99.9999999% chance of surviving or even having any, you know, serious complications from, that would have been a cool approach for that, right? But to tie it to a person's lived experience, what they're saying is, we will treat you based on your truth, not based on right. scientific fact or best medical practice. They even went so far as to dismiss the notion of do no harm. Mm -hmm. Did I hear that right? Like, yes, you did. It, there has been historic oppression based on the idea of do no harm. Yeah. What? So to set the stage for that video, though, it's, it's just a 60 year old lady who's up there reciting this newly penned Hippocratic oath for these soon to be medical professionals that have graduated from Columbia University's medical school. Yeah. And did you hear where she used the word uh, systematic or was it systematic uh, oppression? Systemic oppression, yeah. Systemic oppression. What does that have mm -hmm. to do with uh, medicine? It has something to do with everything now, apparently. That's what I'm getting at is that like she's going, they're going to take your, the history of people the same color as you into account when they're treating your medical issues. Hmm. I don't, what does that even mean? Again, it means that we're going to treat your truth, not the truth, your truth. So, so like, so like if you go in and you're, and you're morbidly a, obese, uh -huh. if you go in and you're morbidly obese, they're going to say, um, well, you person of whatever descent, uh, have a higher than normal rate of obesity because of, um, you know, socioeconomic status and oh, yeah. uh, something called having come from a, a food desert, right? And not having had the same level of education and understanding within your community that, you know, rich white people have. So therefore, um, you're perfectly healthy and we're not going to do anything about it because well, it's very similar to that led to your obesity. That lady, the physician that Biden just appointed to whatever panel it was right. that we played that audio, it's where uh yeah uh, yeah health she said it's is not even genetic. unhealthy nor is it possible to do anything about it it's genetic you can't right you, you can't uh, get out of being fat by exercising and eating healthy right what they mean it's is not your we're fault, gonna warp statistics we're gonna warp statistics we're going to warp anything we used to, we ever understood about what basic health means to make sure that your feelings don't get hurt snowflake mm -hmm. that's what she that's what they're saying correct but those are the future doctors of uh america not mine. If I go into a doctor's office and I see a Columbia degree, I'm going to walk out. <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to run out of options if I take that approach every time I hear about one of these. It's unbelievable, dude. It's a fun world we live in. Yeah. I got to go. I got three minutes. All right. <laughs> Adios. See y'all. Oh, what a graceful dismount from my good colleague, as always, Chisholm Cook. Um, well, our guest for today is here, joining us via Zoom. Uh, it's a guy that actually went on a hog hunt with, and him and my cousin are buddies, uh, but he serves as the uh, executive director of the Republicans for National Renewal, here to tell us a little bit about their organization, who they are, what they do. It is my pleasure to welcome Mark. Ivanyo to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Cable. My pleasure. So it's been, uh, I don't know, maybe a year or two since we went on that hog hunt together. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, actually my first hog hunt. It was quite the blast. 
Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We'll have to run that back sometime soon. Absolutely. Uh, and my uh, my cousin John, um, actually, he reconnected us, um, which is why I wanted to have you on today, because you are the executive director of the Republicans for National Renewal. So tell me, so first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself um, as far as politics go, um, like your, your background, and then we'll transition into um, the uh, Republicans for National Renewal. Sure. So I don't think my background is that different from many people. I think, you, you know, when I was younger in college, I was kind of uh, politically apathetic, mm-hmm. uh, mostly heard the left side of things. I thought, well, I guess that kind of makes sense. Uh, but I don't really know and not really. Well, that- that's the university system, man. That's all they do is is push leftist woke ideology on impressionable, you know, essentially young adults, eight, 18 to 22 years old. Right. And you're you getting can, indoctrinated you there. Yeah. And you can be conservative, but if you're not really politically active, you don't mm-hmm. really know much better usually. Um, and so I kind of went with that. And then once I started hearing the conservative side of things, at least the arguments, the conservative positions, I thought, you know, that makes a lot more sense. And then uh, Obama came around mm-hmm. and uh, that was kind of a wake up call. And I thought, you know what, maybe I should get active. I don't really like the direction the country's going. I don't like these kind of socialist-esque policies bordering on communism, um, this whole anti-Second Amendment, anti-free speech, all these notions that were being pushed, uh, feminism, et cetera. And so then I became kind of, a, I'd say, libertarian, or I, I used the cr- kind of the cringe term of a conservatarian. And because uh, I liked a lot of the conservative positions, but then I also thought, you know, live and let live. Uh, why can't we all just be free? Well, the irony is that the conservatives now are the ones that are like, hey, live and let live. People would say, right. well, hey, no, there's the don't gay say bill in Florida. Well, uh, don't don't say gay bill. Well, that's uh, actually designed to protect your children. Like, we're right. happy yeah. to live and let live. And if you're an adult and you want to whack your wiener off, by all means, go ahead. We don't care. But don't push it on our, uh, you know, seven year olds. Yeah. Just don't do it in front of our children. Um, you know, don't be a pervert, et cetera. A lot to ask nowadays. Um, but yeah, so I, I went through that and, uh, then Trump came along and I thought, okay, uh, I don't really like his stat is a uh, way of doing things very much, but, uh, I like what he's saying. He's kind of shaking up the system. I was Ted Cruz all the way until towards the end. And I thought, okay, Ted Cruz is good. He's very intelligent, but Trump's the one who's kind of coming in like a wrecking ball and he's going to, you know, kind of change, shift the Overton window and uh, make politics much better and more populist and more for the grassroots, frankly, because the grassroots isn't isn't uh, ideological necessarily. They know mm-hmm. what they want. They know what they believe in. They're generally conservative, but they're not complete ideologues. And Trump kind of embodied that uh, conservatism, but also willing to uh, be a little more populist. Some things that would maybe overlap with issues that are on the left side or maybe not socialist, but for example, Bernie Sanders and Trump kind of had some overlap there when it came to populism and protecting the working class. Mm-hmm. And so since then, I would say I'm uh, pretty conservative. Um, and so that's how I kind of got involved. And essentially, I have uh, President Obama to thank for getting me this involved in politics. Yeah, it's weird how for some people, even Chisholm, our you know, co-host here, he voted for Obama the first time. And he was, I think, snowed by, you know, Hopi, changey, 
I'm the cool guy that can speak really well. Uh, but then, you know, you, you start working for yourself and you see where your money's going and then you have kids and it's like, wait a second. Uh, what, what do they really stand for? Uh, not the things that I believe in. And, uh, yeah. And I think he probably came out of, well, he was probably even more exposed to it more. He went to law school and I think that's, uh, he would even say like where those views were. And then lit, he, um, worked in DC. Uh, I th clearly you're exposed to everything there. Um, so you got a taste of all of it. And then here we are hosting the show together. Like, That's funny. I, yeah. My story is very similar to his because actually the first time president uh, Obama ran, I was in line to vote for him. But huh. the line was so long. I thought, you know what? This line's too long. Uh, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. And I actually never did vote for him, but I was wow. going to, and yeah, I fell for the whole, Hey, he wants to bring down the debt. He, uh, he sounds pretty solid and maybe we can uh, end racism when we vote for him. And we don't have to hear about how racist we are for the next uh, eight years. Uh, kind of a mistake, obviously, now, but uh, the mm. way he was presenting himself was that, uh, yeah, vote for me. It'll be cool. We can have the first black president and uh, we'll, we'll have progress. Uh, and then I also went to law school and I got involved with the Federalist Society. Um, obviously, a bit of a pariah in that sense. Um, but uh, the law school I went to was a private law school, South Texas College of Law. And so they did value free speech probably a little more than your average law school. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely, if you're a conservative on a law school campus, there's maybe uh, two conservative professors. One is in the open. The other one, you would never know unless you talk to him in private. Mm, wow. That's incredible. In a whole, a whole law school, there's two professors, the one you went to anyway, yeah. that would identify as conservative. That tells maybe you everything you need to know about who's running the show. And why it is, because I, I don't think for a long time that the left was able to hijack the, you know, let's say elementary, junior high, even high school level. They're, they're doing it now, right. 100%. But when we were kids, I'm 41. How old are you? I'm 36. Roughly the same age. When we were kids, we weren't being indoctrinated. Like, I, I don't think. Maybe we were a little bit. I'm sure that the, liberal ideals of the time were front and center and maybe we didn't even know it but no, they have they have put it into warp speed this administration particularly and probably starting with obama um but but definitely the biden administration uh has put all of those uh woke ideals um critical race theory transgendering planting the seed of gender dysphoria at you know, the elementary school level, uh, yeah. those type of things we did not have to deal with as kids. Yeah. Uh, it's, a steep, it's a steep decline to communism. Now, when we were kids, I don't know if you remember, at least when I was going to school, we were still saying the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. Damn sure we were. Yeah. Every morning. I remember that. Yeah. And then at one point, I think I was in high school, maybe, or was it middle school? Maybe, it's, yeah, maybe late middle school. Then it was all of a sudden, oh, we don't have to do that. But it wasn't just we don't have to do that. It was more we're not going to. Yeah, I don't know. I I do know. So my kids have a, uh, they go to public school here in McKinney. And whenever we have, they have like a a pep rally every month, I think. And mm -hmm. they, it's like on a, the last Friday of the month and, the, and parents are invited and kids get awarded for certain behaviors or, you know, 
academic achievements throughout the month. Right. And they do say the Pledge of Allegiance every time when they open that ceremony, which I think is great. And then they play the national anthem. So that's not completely gone. And that's from a public school system hmm. in here in Texas, which I appreciate, you know. Um, yeah. But it is Te weird. Texas being the key word, I think, you know. Yeah. But also, yeah. I, I think that in a, a sporting events, I think there's a lot of places in Texas where you still even have a prayer. But I recall that it was every morning you get to school, 8 a.m., mm -hmm. you're doing the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. Which, what's wrong with that? Right. Uh, what what's wrong what's wrong with the sense of national pride being well you can only have pride in your sports team but you can't have pride in your country cable yeah because we're so racist and i've talked about this many times with schism on the show but i've been to africa five times you want to see real racism yeah. go spend some time in africa go to the uh go to the dominican republic where the dominicans are their skins slightly lighter than the haitians and they hate the haitians yeah and that's a gross stereotype there's there's wonderful people who don't see skin color but there are like they they are racist towards the haitians they view them as inferior yeah like there Mexico. is racism in the world and guess what there's racism here and you're never going to get rid of it never yeah it's uh well, you know it's a utopian ideal that's not reality people are always going to be racist now we can try to minimize that right and i think we were the irony is that i think we were going the right direction until obama was elected and then we yeah. let, we were like wait let's back up and do all the progress that we've we've seen. Um, yeah, I think uh, early two thousands, even nineties, you didn't really it wasn't really an issue. Um, people weren't as sensitive. People weren't as conditioned to be so hypersensitive to anything that could even be perceived as racial. Mm -hmm. But now you're kind of seeing it in a direction that's misrepresented by the media. I think now it's a lot of uh, anti-white racism where you're seeing the critical race theory and. Um, a lot of hate crimes being committed against uh, whites and even Asians as well. That's severely underreported by the mainstream media. Uh, you can find it on some conservative outlets or even independent journalists, but you're not going to see that as being considered a huge issue. Uh, and you still have the Department of Justice saying that the uh, number one threat is uh, white terrorism or white males, which is kind of insane when you look around and <laughs> see what's being taught in these schools. You'd think... Uh, no, uh, reality is not matching with what they're saying. Right, right. Um, okay, so that's a, a little bit about you. Um, how did you get involved with, and, and what is Republicans for National Renewal? So uh, Republicans for National Renewal, or uh, RNR for short, is a political nonprofit dedicated to pushing the Republican Party away from the America last establishment, more towards the America first grassroots. And so that means taking over the Republican Party from the grassroots level up. So at the local, state, and federal level. That way we build the infrastructure within the party. So when there is a, a populist president, such as President Trump or Governor DeSantis, they have that infrastructure within the party to effectuate their agenda instead of being thwarted at every turn. Because as we saw with President Trump, he had a lot of Republicans, once he was a nominee, saying, oh yeah, I support him 100%. He's a great guy, we like his policies. They give all these nice flowery speeches they go and vote against him half the time. Mm -hmm. yep. And so it wasn't, it's bad enough to have the radical left against you, but we know what to expect from them. But then when you have your own party working against itself and attacking the number one grassroots national populist president, uh, that's a problem. And so we want to renew the party, take it over and put in the grassroots folks because the grassroots for a long time has not been getting what it wanted. 
The grassroots wants steak. It's been getting tofu from the establishment. The establishment will pump millions of dollars to their candidate, who's a weak candidate, not supported by the grassroots, but they'll win the primary and the grassroots very reluctantly votes for them because it's not a, it's not a radical leftist, but it's really not what the grassroots wants. So there's two things that I have to reflect on what you just said. Um, the first one, I will say, you mentioned on the local level. And going back to what we were just talking about, I think that the school boards are the first thing that gets hijacked. And yeah. for so long, conservatives have just, I think that we just all assumed, like, I live in McKinney, Texas. It's, it's a conservative area. And the more rural you get, the more conservative you're probably going to go. But the, the, the left sees, and this is in their playbook, how can we get our ideals to infiltrate in a place where we are the minority? Well, these people don't really care about the school boards. Let's go there. Let's start there. You know, you I get you get like nine people on a school board, and before you know it, five of them are from California or wherever else, or they moved here from Austin, and they go and they they run and get on the school board, and then they are the ones that now control the narrative and the curriculum, and that's what your kids are being taught, and we don't even know it until it happens. It's too late. It's already happening. We didn't know this book was in our library. Well, why would we have not known that? Well, the reason why we didn't know is because we never thought that someone would put that pornographic filth in a library for eight to 10 year olds. I noticed that my mind was blown when I started seeing, oh, it's just a drag queen story hour in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, mm -hmm. uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, other small cities around Texas. And I thought, how is this crap coming here? We see, we hear about it in Oregon. We hear about it in California, as you said, but it's now in Texas. And you're right. It's very unpopular ideas, but they'll go somewhere where the conservatives are kind of complacent. They're not really actively involved. They don't think it could ever happen. They get that position of leadership and they can impose all this there. And this is what the conservative or the left has been doing for a while, the communists. They've been infiltrating all the institutional levels. And that way they know that even though they can't win right away outright with their ideas, if they can only get people on a certain issue, so on an LGBTQ issue, on abortion, even though somebody who was generally conservative will vote in line based on that issue. And so mm -hmm. our grassroots director has been doing a lot of great work across the country. He's based out of Michigan, but he's been doing work in Florida, Arizona, Washington, some in Texas. Um, and he's been kind of trying to get conservatives to do to follow the less playbook, take back the institutions, get your people elected to school board, get your people locally involved. That way you also you can push up your grassroots candidates to the state office levels, to the federal levels, and that way we take control of the party, but also we can keep out these radical left ideas and these people who move in. And like you said, they see an opening. They know that if they if it's a nonpartisan non election, right, they just have their name there. People don't know much about them. Maybe they think the name sounds nice and they vote them. And now all of a sudden they're uh, in charge of the school board and they're having uh, pornographic and uh, homosexual material in your kid's library. And just to add validity to what you've said, and to prove that it works. This is how Yunkin won the state of Virginia, which is a blue state, and he was elected governor because he ran on a platform of your kids are your kids. They're not the states, and they're not going to be indoctrinated. And it turns out, even in a blue state, parents don't want their kids taught that filth. By and large, they don't. The majority yeah. of the population does not want their kids being taught that. Right. And so until we 
if we can do that kind of messaging and take back the local level, the institutions, we will not only keep the left out, we'll also kind of be able to control the narrative. And that's what we need. We need to go on the offense, not always on the defense, not always waiting until, oh, wow, this is a horrible idea. There's CRT here now. Now we're going to go on the attack. Mm-hmm. No, we should be on attack from the get-go. And so that's what we're trying to renew the Republican Party into being, which is a, a party of the working class and a party of the grassroots. Yeah. So the second thing you said, though, uh, and you referred to Trump as this the populist president, uh, I'm not, I don't want Trump to run again. I don't, and Chisholm doesn't either. We're DeSantis all the way. Mm-hmm. Trump needs to get the hell out of the way because of just like what you said earlier, uh, he lost, he lost conservative votes. He alienated conservative housewives. Um, and, and Trump got the least fair shake of any president ever. Like the way the media treated him, it wasn't fair to him, but his bristly personality didn't do him any favors. And that's, you know, I'm in, in, trust me, we all believe that they cheated on some level. I'm not saying the election was stolen. They changed laws and like accepted votes and violated their own state statues and in, in places like Pennsylvania, other states as well. We know that. So it wasn't, it wasn't fair, but he did lose. And I don't think he, I think if he runs again, he'll lose again. Um, I don't, I don't know what your thoughts on, on that are, but I also think personally, like we need to have a, an age statute like if you're over 75 you can't run because uh, biden's lost it mentally and you have to be a realist and say well the same thing could happen to trump it could you're, you're that old uh you probably shouldn't be in a position where you're the most powerful man on the planet and uh for those two reasons i think he needs to get out of the way and we need to have a young charismatic guy like Ron DeSantis get the uh, nod for the Republican Party. Yeah, you know, as an organization, and I know this is kind of like a, a rift that's being uh, kind of further further created uh, between conservatives who are Trump or DeSantis. I don't think it's all that productive. As an organization, we don't, we haven't taken any side. Yeah. Um, we're obviously, we're kind of, uh, our inception was based on President Trump's run and his sure. uh, first term. And what happened to him? I mean, he took the most abuse out of any any president in our lifetime and perhaps 100%. even history. Um, and when the election, there was a lot of uh, inconsistencies, a lot of unconstitutional acts. And my problem is that, I mean, we could say it was stolen or it wasn't stolen. Uh, the po- problem is that it was never litigated. The courts didn't even accept it. They didn't hear it. And the left would say, look, there's no merit to it because the court said there's no standing. Well, as a lawyer, I know that's BS. Uh, when they say there's no standing, they're just saying, hey, uh, we're not going to hear it. So it's nothing about the merits of the case. It's simply we're just not going to hear it. The Supreme Court did the same thing. And there was a huge fight in the Supreme Court as to whether or not they should hear it. So mm. that's a huge problem to me. Had they at least heard it and then decided on it, we could have at least said, OK, they considered the evidence. Now we can. It's a little more concrete uh, in terms of you know Trump or DeSantis should get out of the way. My only issue with that, although I do like DeSantis, too, um, I don't think that Trump should necessarily be attacking DeSantis as much as he has been. I'm not sure that's really helpful at all, especially since DeSantis has not really been responding in kind. Um, But I know that I've heard people, especially the grassroots, saying Trump or nothing. DeSantis runs uh, and Trump does not win the primary. I'm not voting. 
And so this could be very problematic for the That's productive. Right. To what should be a landslide victory. I want to take a hammer and hit that person on the head and say, you stupid dunce. What is your problem? You know, like their, their ideals are, they, they align. It's just, here's the one that's, what is he? 35 years younger. Yeah. To me, like, don't you, don't you think that in, I look at Biden, extrapolate that to what could happen to Trump. Don't you think there needs to be an age restriction on how old these guys can be before they turn into senile old men who can't even put, I mean, Biden couldn't even put his jacket on the other day, getting off an airplane. It took him, actually, he never completed the task of putting his, like the sport coat that you're wearing. He could physically not get that on his body. Jill had to put it on for him. Yeah. He might as well be on life machine. I mean, the guy's a walking vegetable. Um, I think it's just, they're going to kick him to the curb as fast as they can once election season runs around. So, yeah, it should be a landslide victory for any Republican, right? Uh, the Democrats might put up uh, Gavin Newsom, maybe. That's the only person I think that they'd even have a chance with. But, um, yeah, I think when it comes to Trump, it's going to be pretty brutal, that primary. And I don't know. I'll vote for either one of them. Whether it's oh, me too. Or Trump. Me too. But uh, I think it's going to be it's too early for me to really make a decision on that. And we, so our organization, Well, here's the, here's the reality. If Trump wants it, he's going to get it. I believe personally, yeah. like if he wants the nomination, he's put himself out there. I, I think that there are too many people who, un, you know, blindly support him and they will, he will get it. It's up to him if he wants to, to be the president again or not. I just don't know if he can win personally. Yeah. Well, we're, to give you an example of where we stand organizationally, two of our biggest banners are these stand-up banners. It's Trump and DeSantis. And this was long mm-hmm. before the rift even happened, before President Trump announced he was running again. And so we like both of them. They're both national populists. They're both very much in line with us. Um, I think if Trump, I mean, if Trump wins this time around, he'll hopefully have learned his lesson from what happened last time. He'll hopefully not surround himself with establishment figures, uh, people who are giving him bad policy decisions because his instincts, whenever he goes off his gut, are almost always very solid, very conservative, and the right decision. It's when he waits and he listens to Jared Kushner or some other lackey, then all of a sudden he's doing some weird stuff. He's uh, part, he's uh, pardoning these uh, black rappers instead of uh, his supporters, and so yeah, I think if he listens to his instincts and learns from his mistakes, he could do better. But, you know, that remains to be seen at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you guys are a nonprofit. Would you say, like, who is your target demographic? Are you after middle-aged people? Or are you trying to recruit new Republicans into the party? What, what yeah. would you say, like, if your demographics, if you had to break them down? We have, so we do several events um, throughout the country, usually outside of uh, TPUSA events, CPAC events, uh, AmpFest. There's a huge conservative conference. We're usually there. We're usually having a table, and we'll have uh, some kind of event, usually with some uh, congressional speakers or with some uh, influen- influencers. And sometimes we'll even bring in some uh, members of European Parliament and what we've noticed is when we go to, say, a TPUSA event, for example, there's a lot of young people interested in our message. Um, and these are young people who haven't even seen the you know, George Bush days or anything like that. They've been fed this socialism, communism throughout 
their lives, they see our message and they say, that's what I want. Um, that's the kind of conservative I want. I want professionalism, but conservatism. And um, we got a lot of reception, a lot of volunteers out of those events. But then also we go to CPAC and the demographics are a little older. Uh, there's kind of the boomer generation there. And they're also very much in line with us. So it's tough to even put a, a specific age group. I mean, it's pretty much anyone who's grassroots, who's conservative, who's traditional, um, or even people who aren't necessarily that conservative generally, but they don't like the left and they're kind of uh, in the middle. They tend to at least like our policy prescriptions. And those are the votes we need, man. They are. Yes. Those yes, are the are. votes that we need. Yeah. And I think I've had a lot of people come up to me after our events and they said, you know, I don't really, I was kind of out of politics, but after coming here and hearing what y'all are about and hearing your speakers, you know, I think I want to vote for Trump back in the day, or I want to vote mm -hmm. for my conservative candidate. Um, now that I know what they're about and what's going on. Yeah. Um, so where, what is y'all's website? So our website is rnrenewal.org. rnrenewal.org. Okay. Um, and you serve as the executive director. Correct. And how yeah, long so have I, you held that position? So I started off as legislative director um, for a few months. And then uh, the board, liked what I was doing, offered me the executive director position. I gladly accepted. Been doing that since uh, 2020. So uh, going on three years now. Uh, basically, I oversee the operations of the organization on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, I represent the organization on podcast shows such as yours, uh, other shows, uh, Newsmax, uh, on OAN. Um, I also will be speaking at CPAC Hungary coming up in uh, early May, so that'll be nice. Um, but basically kind of make the final decisions on a lot of things, uh, report to the board, directors, um, stay busy. Uh, especially when we have an event coming up. Uh, our next event is going to be at CPAC DC on March 2nd. Uh, they're in National Harbor. And so we'll have a, a panel discussion with some members of Congress, and then a panel discussion with some uh, members of European Parliament. Uh, that is kind of a, a uh, another area that we focus on as a kind of a side mission, which is to connect uh, Republicans with the national populace of Europe, because they've been doing it a lot longer than we have. Um, I think we have a lot to learn that we could learn from them. And they could also get some help from us. And so we've connected leaders of young Republicans, uh, different areas to leaders of young uh, national populist groups throughout Europe. And Europe uh, seems like a pretty woke place to me. Like, are I, these young uh, populists, are they making any headway over there? Because when I look at Europe, I just think socialism, uh, government overreach, uh, clearly they don't have a Second Amendment, which is really the only thing that separates us from canada or europe or name the country like um it just doesn't seem like i i'm sure there's pockets of conservatives but percentage wise i don't it's clearly not as many as there are here it's probably not a 50 50 split yeah so my mind was blown too that was kind of my initial image of uh -huh. european europeans in general uh but they do have some strong conservatives in fact after spending time with them having events with them over in Hungary and even online events like panel discussions, they are very much in line with us, very conservative. It's only that we see in the media, we see the woke ones, just how they think of us as pretty liberal because they're watching CNN, right? So to them, mm -hmm. oh, Americans like all this uh, woke stuff uh, and it's a racist country. But that's their idea based on CNN. 
the ones who are really polit politically involved know a little better, of course, but um, generally speaking, it's kind of a mirror image where we're seeing them as woke and liberal. They're seeing us as racist, woke, and, and liberal in different areas. So um, I know that the mm -hmm. Swedish Democrats saw a huge win. That's their, their conservative party. Uh, Italy just elected their first right-wing prime minister. The woman. Since, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, since World War II. So it's a long, long time ago. Um, the AFD in Germany has seen a lot of uh, historic wins. So I think conservatism is definitely rising there. And then obviously Hungary has been a, a very strong Christian nationalist country for as long as I can remember, since Prime Minister Orban, at least. Um, and so, yeah, I think uh, with Hungary kind of leading the way and being bold, a lot of the other countries over there are also stepping up. And they're also getting tired of the mass migration, mass crime waves, um, depletion of their economy, um, dirtiness. I mean, everything that comes along with this mass migration, they've been welcoming. So, hey, uh, we're doing the same thing here now. <laughs> yeah, we are too. Yeah, I mean, we're just, uh, you know, five years behind or so. But um, yeah, I think the, the whole point of co connecting these people is that uh, we need to be united, conservatives across the country or across the world, because the left are very united. They get their marching orders from up high. And it's not just here. They're saying the same message all across Europe and here. And so if we unite and say the same message all across Europe and here as well, but on the right side, I think we'll stand a better chance of winning instead of being fractured all over the place and bickering amongst ourselves. Isn't it crazy, though? And I and so I see this in my, my daily job, which is obviously hosting a hunting and conservation podcast. But you said something that's so true that they are united and they're well organized and in my dealings with anti-hunting organizations they're well funded yeah and for so long the hunting community we were just on our heels and we were reactionary instead of being proactive and it's crazy to think that we need to that we as conservatives in this country have to preemptively put bills into place that will that will thwart the advancement of crt or transgender ideology who would have thought we would have ever ever had to do that like it just as human beings, like we, we we would have to create legislation to prevent you from basically passing legislation that right, would right, right. that would th and this is to protect our kids. Like I, it's just that's so mind blowing. But we are doing it now, and every time I see one, I'm like, wow, it's a shame we had to do that. But bravo that we did it. Yeah, it's kind of like I have to do an anti harassment bill before you harass me because yeah. I anticipate it now. Uh, because you're a small number, but you're well-funded and well-organized. Yeah. And that's the power of being well-organized. And so if we can get conservatives over here, conservatives across the world, conservatives in Brazil, conservatives in Korea, and we're all united as well and have that funding coming in and work together, then we can have a solidified message instead of just, just peppering them with our message here and there. I also think part of the problem is most of the global elites um, Certainly, big tech and and Hollywood in this country is, you know, what is it, ninety percent left? Yeah. So the yes. people with the influence and the people with the power, i.e., the money, like the George Soros's of the world, they swing that way, by and large. Right, and it's a, it's a never-ending battle. I mean, our founding fathers had to deal with it. People long before then had to deal with it. Right, the the people versus the establishment, the elitists people with the power and the influence, uh, you know, 10 years from now, we'll still be fighting this fight. A hundred years from now, me and you will both be gone. They'll still be fighting that fight. Um, you know, when you're involved in politics, it's just a, a never ending job. 
but we do it so that we can preserve it for the next generation. And um, yeah, you'll never ever stop having that battle between the grassroots and the establishment or whoever happens to be the, the ruling class. But you can definitely make some uh, some headway and at least get some sort of uh, parity or at least uh, understanding and respect between those groups so that you're both happy or at least close to happy. And uh, right now it's going heavily against the grassroots. The grassroots aren't happy and we're rising. And I think we're going to see some uh, crazy stuff happen come 2024. Well, I can only define the way you used crazy as good. So uh, I'm hoping that we have some crazy stuff happen as well. Yeah, rattle it up a little bit, uh, take a wrecking ball to it. Um, mm. Even if Trump doesn't win, I think he's he's not going to go down without a fight. Um, I think the grassroots won't tolerate it any longer. Um, I think we're probably at a, a tipping point that we haven't seen in a long, long time. So um, you know, yes, that's a positive thing for sure. Even if Trump runs and loses, uh, Chisholm and I have obviously followed the the Senate races very closely. And I think, and I forget, he had the number, but there are quite a few uh, Democratic senators coming up for re-election in uh, the next term cycle. And that's, mm -hmm. I think, where we could also make a bunch of headway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just a matter of getting the people, regular working class people who are conservative for a long time have kind of just not really cared much about politics. The kind of idea is uh, I'm an individual. and Well, you know the uh, joke. You know, we we don't make it to the polls because we're at work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you're right. And the left even knows that much. And so they knew that conservatives are going to show up on election day. By and large, the majority of them show up then. And so even in Arizona, they're like, well, let's just put the wrong size paper in uh, as an accident. Yeah. And then that way the vote won't get counted. And so you saw so much goofy stuff happening on election day. And it just so happens that, yes, most conservatives vote on election day because the rest of the time they're at work that was one thing that stuck out like we we followed that one very closely and thought carrie lake was going to win and wh what was her name hobbs the attorney general yeah okay and hobbs. she she wouldn't even debate like because and why wouldn't she debate her well number one your policies are flawed and she's going to shoot holes in them and number two you know you're going to win because you're the attorney general that oversees the election process. And the fact that she wouldn't recuse herself from that, the, the conflict of interest that was allowed to go on in that election, is I don't understand it. It's absolutely <laughs> mind-blowing. Yeah, okay, well, let's, let's run against each other. Uh, but the election ballots will be counted at my house with my mm -hmm. friends. And uh, trust me, I'll make sure they're all counted accordingly and accurately. And I'll let you know what the result is. Sound fair? And and meanwhile, I'm I'm playing to a sold out house at my rallies, and you're sitting in your basement. Yeah, I'll just hang out. I'll, I'll send out some emails. I'll tell my people make sure you're at my house on election day. Yeah. We have some ballots to count, and um, I'll let you know who wins. Yeah, yeah, that's what a sham. That's travesty. Yeah. Um. Well, hey, okay, give us the website one more time as we wrap things up here. Sure. So it's rnrenewal.org. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, Mark, I certainly appreciate the time today. Uh, thanks for coming on and educating us on what you guys are doing. And uh, always uh, enjoy having these kind of conversations. Um, obviously, Chisholm and I are red-pilled all the way and have been for some time. Um, so, yes, like-minded folks, hopefully we can get this country back on track for the sake of our future and 
I'm I'm a father of three kids, and that's the scariest thing for me. Yes, sir. Well, it's been an honor and a pleasure to be on with you, Cable. Um, definitely in line with you and uh, what you're doing. Keep fighting for the Second Amendment. You have a great show. You do great work. And, uh, yep, hoping for the best 2024. All right. Well, we'll stay in touch. I'm sure we'll do this again. Yeah. Hopefully another right. hunting trip, too. Absolutely, man. Take care. All right. You too, man. So there you have it. Mark Ivano, Executive Director of the Republicans for National Renewal. Interesting stuff there. Um, I, like I said, in that conversation, Chisholm and I are on the same page as far as we both are in the camp that, you know, Trump needs to just get the hell out of the way. Uh, if he was to win, that'd be great. But I think he's just too toxic. Um, we've discussed that on the show before. It's time for... A, uh, a young, charismatic leader. I think we have that in DeSantis. So hopefully Trump's ego, uh, which is what makes him great and also his biggest fault, uh, hopefully that will allow him, hopefully he can check that ego at the door and get the hell out of the way. Um, anyway, thank you guys for tuning into episode 115 of Justified Pursuit for Chisholm Cook. I'm Cable Smith. We'll see you guys next week. Play you some Tell me I got what you need.